Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So, uh, Kyle Richards, we have uh, been talking about uh, her split from her longtime husband, uh, Maurizio Mansky. We did a story yesterday that certainly suggested it was her belief that Maurizio is having some kind of a relationship with his Dancing with the Stars partner. Now it looks like, and she didn't say it outright, but it sounds to me, Charles, like she is saying when they split, this has something to do with a similar issue. Right, because she says that she is the one who initiated the split, um, and we got a, a window into <laughs> what their marriage was like even before he was on Dancing with the Stars. This is a uh, clip uh, from, from uh, Real Housewives where it's uh, Kyle and Maurizio talking about why there's a lack of affection, affection between them currently. You look amazing. I mean, you're gonna go work out right now? You look so good. Thanks. When you go through painful times in your life, it changes you as a person. My sister, feeling let down by my friends, feeling disconnected from my husband. You know, you have to find an outlet. You look amazing. Oh, thanks. How many tattoos do you have right now? Five. I only knew of three. Well, maybe you should be looking at my body closer. This is clearly a big symptom of not spending time together. Years ago, he would have noticed a freckle on my body. <laughs> now he doesn't know that I have two more tattoos. So it feels like... The whole thing just felt tense. Sort of like, even though they weren't arguing, it just felt... You know what it feels to me like? It's the air being let out of a balloon, and the air is the relationship. Yeah. And it just felt like she is talking about how there is little affection, little connection, but also well, the big, the, when you start connecting dots here and now she's talking about why she separated, a lot of people thought it was because of her journey. Right. And it doesn't no, sound no, like that Morgan, now. Right. But uh, in the other big difference here, big change, is that uh, Kyle was on Watch What Happens Live last night and actually openly spoke about the fact that she is the one who initiated the split. And we, we haven't heard her speak out publicly at all, at all about the uh, about the split and what was behind it. She didn't go that far last night. She also didn't kind of danced around um, uh, the issue, the, the rumor that she is in a relationship uh, with Morgan Wade. So she's not addressing, didn't address that squarely. But for her to actually say on a national television show, yeah, I'm the one who initiated the split and she basically confirmed the story that we did broke yesterday. She said that it was very upsetting to see those photos. Uh, she believes they're in a relationship. Of, of Maurizio yeah. and Emma Slater holding hands. Well, and, and she's shown that she's upset too because she used to have photos on her Instagram kind of uh, cheering for Mauricio and Emma and saying, hey, can't wait to see what you guys do next week, reposting their dances. She has deleted those posts too. So 
look, this episode and that exchange that you see between her and Mauricio was definitely shot several weeks, maybe even months ago, but it's not like anything's improved. We've actually seen the decline, and that's been shown both on social media through these interviews that she's doing and her continuance to kind of gravitate toward Morgan Wade and not Mauricio, whether or not they're a relationship or not. Yeah, and, and by the way, not just a decline, it feels like there's some acrimony here now. Because yeah. remember, when they first split, yeah. remember they went on vacation together, they said, we're still best friends, we love each other. You're not hearing that now, what you're hearing, and not, and not so much from Maurizio, but you're hearing from, from Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. She's disappointed, she believes that there was some relationship going on, she felt disrespected. And I now thought, I feel like she's saying that what is going on now, it, it not necessarily with, with, with Emma, because Emma right. is new to the picture because it's part of Dancing with the Stars, but it feels like she's going into that territory. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't, I think I said this yesterday, that it doesn't feel, it used to feel like they're going to work things out. Doesn't now. It's not feeling doesn't like now. that at all. Hi, Harvey and Charles. Jenna from Eastern Kentucky here. Um, you know, there's been a lot of rumors about Mauricio since the early days of Housewives about him stepping out in their marriage, and she didn't seem to have a problem then. I think it much more has to do with her relationship with Morgan. Um, she likes to tease about that. She doesn't set the rumors straight. Um, her getting those tattoos, not even telling her husband. I don't think that she had to ask permission from him. But, I mean, that is your husband. You should probably talk to him about it. But I don't know. I think she's trying to control the narrative and put all the blame on Mauricio because of his past transgressions, allegedly. Uh, but I think it's all her doing for her new relationship. Hmm. To be continued. Um, those are all really, yeah. those, that's an interesting <laughs> way of putting it. And you, you and appropriately put the put word the allegedly. I was in. about to say it herself. <laughs> she did it herself. She knew how to do it. Right. Okay. We're going to move on. Yes. Uh, moving on now to a bizarre arrest in the Jonathan Majors case. And I say bizarre because um, yesterday his now ex-girlfriend, who is his accuser, um, in the domestic violence incident in New York City, she surrendered to NYPD and was arrested for allegedly assaulting Jonathan Majors the night that they had this, you know, blowout dispute in New York City. For which he's now being prosecuted. Right. And they yesterday they set his trial date. It's going to be at the end of November that it starts. Um, but the police felt that there was enough evidence um, to book uh, the ex-girlfriend for assaulting him, uh, they, they have details in the report where they say that she um, ripped his coat, ripped some buttons off of it, struck him across the face. I think scratched him is, was the detail in there. Right. Well, the odd part is what's going to happen going forward now that she's been booked for this. Yeah, no, this is the interesting development. So there was enough to book her on, on these two charges, criminal mischief and assault for what you described, uh, the, the slapping across the face and the scratches. But the prosecutors have indicated that they have no plan to prosecute her on these charges. So it seems as though the cops and the prosecutors are on different pages here. But nevertheless, this is going to bolster Jonathan Major's defense, because if it looks like mutual combat, it's going to help him in proving that this was self-defense and not an assault on his part. Well, and also just, and I know you're talking about mutual combat, and I guess that's probably the appropriate term, but I think when you just kind of break it down, the notion is that if the prosecutor did prosecute her, 
it really does blow up the case against it really against blows Jonathan. up the blows right. up the case against both of them actually right. and it because it points to it it feels like the police the police who investigated this they felt like it was mutual combat right exactly but, but, but the, the prosecutor D is going after but the Jonathan the DA is going after Jonathan and if they went after if, it, if they went after her all the defense lawyer has to do is say really you're going after him but yet you believe she was an aggressor here. So uh, as Derek said, how is that not mutual combat? If the jury looks at it and saying, wait a minute, you're prosecuting her too. Why are we going to convict this guy? You're 100% right. Right. I mean, I right. This yeah. starts to look like selective prosecution or right. something where they're picking one side and putting right. a thumb on the scale. And his lawyers will have a field day with that because the cops have now filed this, this, you know, booked her on these charges, but the prosecutors aren't willing to bring them. It's weird that they're sideways. Usually the cops are the investigatory arm of the prosecutors are on the same page. Doesn't seem to be the case. Can here. I ask a question? Could the prosecutors try to keep this out of the case. That's exactly what well, the prosecutors no, no. go to the judge and say this yes. should not be admissible. Not only not. not only will they, but they may actually be able to because what the what the prosecutor is going to argue is just because the police believe it doesn't make it so. We have not charged her, so you can't look at an arrest for which there's no even prosecution and present it to the jury. So that's going to be their argument and wow. they could win that argument. They actually could win that. Hi, my name is Kira Wells and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so I do feel like karma's coming right back around. Um, I don't know what she's going to do, but I do feel like she's turning herself in because she's feel guilty. Um, but I do at the same time hope that Jonathan and Grace, they can have equal opportunity to speak out and the results can be based off of that. Yeah, and yeah. remember, there's also that video, by the way, that right. we haven't talked about where she's in the club a couple hours afterward. afterward. Right, and Jonathan's legal team feels that that shows she was not injured at all. Um, so this is going to be a very interesting We trial. will see. All across America, we all had that feeling once again last night um, where you see an alert on your phone um, that says there is a mass shooter on the loose. Uh, this time it was in Maine, in Lewiston. And uh, as of right now, as we're shooting this, um, at least 18 people uh, were killed. This guy hit at least two places. Uh, local reports, alley, there's a, and, and a, a bar, bar. Yeah. and then there's a third, there's a third place, a FedEx distribution center. There are local reports he hit that too. He is on the loose and as we speak is... right now. They don't know if he's still in Maine. He could be in Massachusetts. There are reports he may have jumped on a jet ski and gone somewhere. So there is a full court press to find this guy, and they have not done that yet. And it is a dangerous and situation. And I got to say, while the details of what he uh, did last night are absolutely chilling, uh, knowing the history of this person yeah. is also really interesting because this is someone who made a threat to to shoot up um, shoot up a, 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 a facility a military facility um, and also was committed to a mental uh, health uh, mental health institution for two weeks and yet still had access to this to the AR-15. Well, he had a gun because he was a firearms expert. Right. And um, and that gun stayed with him, and, and I, it, it did and tremendous as much damage. As, as much as I know, you know, people who are, and I get it, are, are Second Amendment, uh, fervent defenders of the Second Amendment, there's got to be a point where 
you should, we all agree, you should take guns away from someone. This seems like one of those situations. Why didn't it happen? I would disagree that we all agree, because there are a lot of people, who, unfortunately, in my opinion, who don't. That someone who was commit, who threatened to shoot up a place and was, was I agree. For I two agree weeks. with you, but it's this country is so divided that there are people that would say no. I, I, it, wow. it's, nuts. Uh, it's nuts. Well, joining us to talk about why this in particular happened because of some of the laws in Maine and how it differs from other places in the country. Uh, someone who is very familiar with this issue because Chris Brown is the president of uh, a nonprofit called Brady United Against Gun Violence. Uh, and we've had her on before. Um, unfortunately, I, I want to say welcome back, Chris. Um, it's just the circumstances that we have you back on is uh, just very unfortunate. But we're glad you're here to, to talk about this with us. Thanks for having me. I couldn't agree more. It's a horrible, horrible uh, tragedy and one that uh, as as I see the news unfolding, feels all too familiar to far too many of us. Um, wow. And we want to shift it and change it. So we want to talk about what, you know, the, the differences in gun laws and what a difference might it might make. But I got to ask you, Chris, I mean, look, when I was 19, when I was 18 years old uh, and Robert Kennedy was assassinated, I started a gun safety group yeah. and actually presented legislation to um, the city council in LA. So yeah. I have a long history with this, but I have to tell you, with the way society is going, I don't see how to solve this problem anymore. Well, I think that what we have to do is understand that we have a public health epidemic when it comes to gun violence. And while these mass shootings are absolutely horrific for all kinds of reasons, we don't know what kind of firearm this particular shooter had. Looks like it could be an assault style weapon. Weapons of war have no places in our community. We need to ban those again. And obviously there's various laws that were not enacted in Maine that could have made a real difference. But you're right, we have more guns than people. And we have to understand that to solve that problem and to really save lives, we have to treat this like the public health epidemic it is. And I dare say if Maine had the similar kinds of laws that California has, we not we may not be talking here today. As we were saying in, in our intro to you, that the fact that, uh, that this guy was committed to a, a facility for mental health facility for two weeks and had made threats to shoot shoot up a, a, a building. If that had happened in California, what happens? Because when I read that, the first thing I thought was, well, why did this guy still have guns? Why did he still have access to guns? In California, if you have someone who is calling you in because you are exhibiting signs of harming yourself or others, there's something called a 5150 in the state of California, where if you're assessed by a mental health expert as being a danger to yourself or others, you are subject to gun removal. On top of that, you have something called an extreme risk protection law in California, where law enforcement, family members, and others with information about someone who's at risk can seek an order to remove firearms from an individual, remove them. So not just stop a purchase, but remove firearms from someone who's a risk to themselves or others. When I look at how this story is unfolding here, and again, we don't have all of the details, but it certainly seems there are a lot of red flags associated with the behavior, calling in the threats, et cetera, that in a state like California, 
you would get an extreme risk protection order sometimes within hours. I was just with the DA in San Diego. She has a thousand of these orders she helped put in place in San Diego in the last year. We Maine does not have these laws. And I hear you, and it makes absolute sense what you're saying. It also relies on individuals to, you know, sound the alarm. It, 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 it involves police actually taking steps. It involves the courts at some point. And I get it, and I agree with you. But, I mean, look, and, and I'm sorry for sounding so, you know, just throw, throwing up the, the white flag here. But this society feels more dangerous than it ever has in my lifetime. And everybody's worried about civil, a lot of people are worried about civil war. A lot of people are worried about retaliation because of their race or whatever else. And when you look at all of the fears that people have, what they go to is arming themselves. And we're seeing that more and more. So in a way, I know you're saying this about cigarettes, that there was this kind of epiphany. Well, the it feels like we're going in the opposite direction. Well, with cigarettes, there's, not, there's no constitutional amendment saying you have the right well, to that's true cigarettes. Too. Right. And that's the big issue, isn't it, Chris? That whatever you're saying, we're, we're making some common sense, uh, reaching some common sense uh, result, you know, um, ideas here about guns. But once you get up against the Second Amendment, and that's also the just defense the, always. But the danger in this society, and I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, that everybody should arm themselves, but that's what's happening. Well, not everyone is arming themselves. We did see a huge increase in uh, what we call panic purchases against the backdrop of COVID. And you're right. Uh, that's succumbing to the fear that is stoked by groups like the National Rifle Association that want to sell more guns to more people at any cost to society. And look, if more guns make a, made us safer as a country, we would be the safest country <laughs> on earth. We have 450 million guns mm. in this country. Still a minority of Americans own those firearms. We have people who have an extremist insurrectionist view of the Second Amendment. But look, the Second Amendment is not absolute. All of our amendments in the Constitution have limitations. I can't go down to the theater and yell fire, but I have a First Amendment right to speak. The Second Amendment is an individual, it is a collective right. It was for a well-regulated militia. And there are basic common sense public safety laws we have had since the beginning of the colonial era. You know, folks could go in and inspect in the colonial uh, towns, how people were storing their muskets. Public safety was always part of even frontier towns. We talk about the Wild West. You know what the Wild West towns required? If you had a gun, check it at the check town square. In, yeah. that's, that's our history. What has happened is over the last 30 years, the NRA has tried to rewrite that, and we are paying the consequences with our lives. So we need to have, as Americans, of you, what kind of country do we want? The land of the free and the home of the brave where I can go into the public square and exercise my First Amendment rights and the Second Amendment isn't swallowing the first? That's my definition of an America. I don't feel safer thinking that everyone else is armed when I'm walking in the aisles at Whole Foods. And ultimately, that is not a safer country. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Um, and you raised... Excellent points. It's just a matter of the right people hearing them and understanding yes. it. Yeah. 
two huge American brands coming together, everybody would be happy, right? UFC has a new sponsorship with Bud Light. And we, told, we, we told, all know... We told you this yesterday. Right. right. And we all know what the issues have been with Bud Light and how they lost billions of dollars uh, because of the backlash after they had this partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. Well, now Bud Light is on board with the UFC. And Dana White got some very direct questions about this yesterday. And he took clearly took offense to the way one reporter worded it. Well, he knew this was coming, and he even said he knew this was coming, that right. there would be this criticism. So there are a lot of people who run companies who kind of walk the line and say, well, I get your point, but, and everything else. Dana White doesn't operate that way. Nope. And Dana White, I, I have not heard anything like this the president from, an, of a from company the CEO. In a news conference, skewering. I <laughs> love this. This is what Dana White said to this reporter. Everybody talks about, oh, you did it for money. Hey, dummies, all sponsorship deals are about money, okay? So when you talk about being a sellout, I had multiple deals in front of me. So it's not like, oh, Bud Light showed up and they were the only option I had to get money. For Anheuser-Busch, it was about values, core values for me. I'm at a point in my life and I'm at a point in my career where nothing is just about money anymore. I am very aligned, and I saw some other today uh, saying, uh, oh, it sounds like, uh, sounds like they wrote him a, a script on what to say. Nobody writes me a script. Nobody tells me what to say, ever. Oh, he went on, on Pretty and sure they on. wouldn't have put those uh, and he, and expletives he, in a script if he had a script. And so by the clearly, way, he, he doesn't. And he, he, he repeated what he said yesterday, which is that Anheuser-Busch is aligned with him in so many ways that they support veterans. They employ 65,000 people. He talks about some of the charitable things they've done, giving away a billion dollars. So he was giving his reasons for this, but the way he reacted to them was unusual and to me, awesome. This is how Dana is and this is how he operates his business. Even if you look back during COVID, you had a lot of leagues that had shut down and Dana said, no, I'm not going to do it. We're going to carry on. And he, he beats, uh, you know, uh, to, to, uh, what's, marches to the beat of his own drum. I, I just couldn't help but think, imagine someone like Roger Goodell, the NFL's commissioner, or Adam Silver. Like, that would never, you know, that never. would never happen, Harvey. He would, they would never speak like that. And, and I love it. And whether or not you agree with Dana or not, I guess that's up to you individually. But I, I love his convictions. I, I, I don't know that anyone's going to stop watching the UFC because of this, because there's a Bud Light logo on the octagon floor. So I, I don't think it's going to have an effect on Dana's business. And I, I really appreciate the guy says what he means. No, not enough people do that anymore, in my opinion. Because everybody is so scared. Oh my God, I'm going to get criticized. Screw that. Dana said, I knew I was going to get criticized when I did it. And I'm just waiting for the criticism because I'm going to fire back at you guys. Right. And I'll say this. Look, in fairness, a lot of people, most people are not in a position that Dana's in. He's set financially. If Dana were to be fired today from the UFC, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. So he's in a different position than some people who might be worried about cancel culture. But I think, yeah, the bottom line remains, Harvey. He, he says what he means. Right. And, and people are like, he's not getting a paycheck. For he's running a business. Right. And if you're right. the CEO, the president of a business, your job is to make money 
for your investors. Yeah, and, and Charles, it's and publicly that's what he's traded. Doing. Yeah, it's a publicly traded company. He's got right. a responsibility, a duty to the shareholders to do as you know to, to make as much money possible for his company. Imagine it's, if he went back to the duty. shareholders and said, "I got X." millions on the table from Bud Light, but I'm not going to do that. Right. Oh, Instead, no. we're going to go with this company that's offering us less, uh, less. much less. Um, <laughs> there was a guy um, who helped, um, really found TMZ, Jim Peritori, who ran the company. And um, he died more than 10 years ago, sadly, tragically. But I got to say, he had a mantra that I loved, and it reminds me of Dana White. You know the mantra? Sometimes wrong, never in doubt. Yep. And I love that I just, because I just you, repeated that like two weeks ago to someone. I was, for some reason, Jim came up and, and I said that to them, and they were like, "Oh, that's interesting." I was like, "But he really he lives how it. he lived. He lived by it." Yeah. And I'm not saying Dana's wrong here because I think Dana's right. But Dana has conviction and he's not afraid to express it. Dr. Hines from Luton. I, I'm from Luton in the in the UK. I just want to say that that what he said. Though he's gonna get pushed back, businesses have to stand up for themselves for the for the decisions that they make and just move on with um with the show. Yeah, they're not gonna lose viewers. That's all it is. There you go. Uh huh. There you go. I was trying to figure out his background there. I saw Batman, but it didn't seem like that was the bat signal he was looking at. <laughs> Don't know what it was, but interesting. Uh, okay, we got to take a break. All right, when we come back, uh, Britney Spears had a lot to say about Justin Timberlake in her book, and very little of it positive. A lot of people calling for him to be canceled once and for all. Well, there are some people who are standing firmly by his side. You may not get the in-sync reunion you wanted, but these guys are not turning their backs on Justin. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Uh, Justin Timberlake, we know, was not thrilled with uh, the idea that Britney Spears was writing a memoir. Uh, and now we know for good reason, <laughs> because uh, The Woman in Me, which uh, came out this week and is selling like gangbusters, really takes aim at him in several different ways. And there are a lot of Britney fans who feel like this is it, Justin Timberlake should be canceled one, once and for all. There are some people who are standing with, uh, with Justin Timberlake, and that, those people would be his bandmates, or former bandmates, maybe future bandmates. Uh, the guys in NSYNC um, are still firmly in his corner, uh, even though they have heard all of the buzz um, since the book came out. Um, they're still supporting him, is what we're told by people close to the band. Um, and we know that they just got back together, and maybe there are hopes that that's gonna happen again next year. Yeah, so we're told that right now there's no talks about NSYNC having any kind of tour or any big reunion since coming out with the Trolls song. However, you know, of course, they're seeing all these headlines about um, Justin Timberlake and all the things that Britney has revealed about Justin in her book. And the band is still very supportive of Justin. They're standing by him. They've known him for 25 plus years. They know who he is. And of course, down the line, if there ever comes to be an opportunity for them to all perform together as a band, band again they are absolutely on board for that and they are standing by him and you know it seems like maybe they feel like uh the headlines are kind of unfair about justin so yeah i want to say something about this you think the calls I, I think this for is canceling i think, him I think are... this is ridiculous these are two 19 year olds and, and and i have some recon on this 
These are two 19-year-olds. She gets pregnant, and he voices his opinion, which is, I think you should get an abortion. Now, the way she grew up, that wasn't in the cards, but they talked about it. He did not badger her, and I know this because I've been in touch with people directly connected to this memoir. And the way it was put to me that Brittany herself doesn't feel like he badgered her, that was his opinion. But they I, I well, just, let, let, let me just make let me just finish my point. They talked it out. It was not acrimonious, and she made the decision, which she regretted, but she made the decision. I hear what, what, what did I, he do wrong? I hear what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you, but you're ignoring the fact that there is a... a, a Charlie, do you have the quote where Brittany said, the way she wrote it in the book, if it were not for Justin being in the picture... That's true. I would have had... All right, writing that sentence, if you're a Brittany fan, you're going to read that and you go, oh my God, he made... That reads like... And I know what you're saying, and I know he didn't actually force her. She's not but the Virgin people, Mary. But she needed read, another person to do it. But people will read that and say that he forced her to have the abortion. Well, he, or it, pressured her. That, pressured her. It was something that she regretted doing. Yeah, she regretted it. Like, I, I get that she regretted it, and it's tragic, and I get that. But the point is that if it weren't for Justin, again, somebody got her pregnant. So that person spoke to her mm -hmm. and they made a decision collectively. And I was specifically told, because when we broke that story, I asked, was this but acrimonious? And they said, absolutely not. Okay, but that's not the only thing, Harvey, that came out of the book about Justin. There was this whole thing too, where he had been cheating on Brittany during their time together. But then when yeah, she, but she cheated also. somebody, she said she kissed somebody. He was okay with it. Her, uh, Justin was okay with it. They yeah. worked it out. But then all of a sudden he dumped her with a three-word yeah. text and then used all of this, like cheating Britney, right. as a way to propel his own career. Right. And that is gross. So, Charlie, what you're forgetting to mention is the seven-page letter that Justin found in her makeup kit where she wrote to Wade Robeson about a relationship that lasted two months. So a lot of people don't believe all she did was kiss him. But at the same time, it's just the way Justin has handled things throughout the years, going on talk shows after, talking about how he hit it when he was that he was sleeping with Britney Spears. I mean, it was just, it was kind of gross. Whereas Britney remained, as far as the, the breakup stuff goes, just very quiet, very private. And it was sad to see that all happen. I'm Erin from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, so I kind of agree on the fact that, you know, they're both super young. Um, you know, they were teenagers, young adults. I think that, yes, the headlines are going to maybe more so push Justin Timberlake under the bus. But I feel like, you know, it was a joint decision. And Brittany did come out and say that, you know, she wasn't writing the book to, you know, drag people or really have them canceled. Mm. It's just her telling the story. Yeah, but you can say you, you weren't dragging right. people. <laughs> but, you're, but you're dragging race people. Race it's the lock We're going to move on now to... Uh, Blueface and something he did at SoFi Stadium during the Rams game. We showed you this video earlier in the week. So he proposed to his girlfriend Jaden at the game, but he's in a suite and had some strippers with him. So, you know, the proposal is one thing. But he then started throwing money at strippers in a suite that was exposed to people on the field, people in the stands, could see all this going on. One of those people who saw it was Kelly Stafford, the wife of Matthew Stafford, the Rams 
star quarterback. She was at the game with her kids and they saw everything that went down and she is incensed about it. She got into it on her podcast. You have that kind of stuff happening at games. Adults are not gonna wanna bring their kids. No, you can't sudden, bring children to that, no. No, and all of a sudden in 20 years, you're not gonna have these four and five year olds because they're like, well, I'm not taking them to that game. You know what I'm yeah. They ended up kicking him out. So, which is wild. He proposed to his girlfriend in the suite and then had strippers yeah. and it's embarrassing. No, like, and it's I, tough. And you go to a football game. And I have four and daughters who are looking at this. It's just a little disappointing. Like, it makes me not want to take my kids to the game. Because I'm like, well, what's going to happen next? So when I first saw the clip, I didn't really have an issue with it. I do get her point, though. I don't have kids. So I, I could imagine why you wouldn't want your kids to, to see that. The issue is, though, to me, is that this is kind of a one-off. And don't you guys think the way bigger issue in NFL stadiums is the violence and people fighting in the stadiums? That should definitely be something they should be addressing before this. Yeah, and the no, NFL point. And the NFL said they they that's are going to be point. they want to address that. They're going to address that, but you can do two things. I, I, I listen. I'm I'm not going to stand here and say I'm like anti-stripper, but that's ridiculous. I've never heard Kelly Stafford speak out about the violence in the stands and not wanting to bring her kids around because it's dangerous well, or I think they're the, going to be seeing people fighting. But I think the difference is that her kids actually saw this. They saw the strippers and started asking her about it. Maybe the kids haven't seen a fight at the stadium. I find that hard to believe. We get these, we get these videos. <laughs> it's a very every big Monday stadium. Morning. It's a very big. Well, how stadium. many people saw the strippers? Really? I mean, it's well, her one... three kids did. <laughs> okay, I get it. All right. Okay, I'm gonna just shut up. This is gonna sound really weird, but Kendall Jenner had the most interesting stop at a gas station. I've seen it a long time. So one, we got to look at the fashion first of all. She's dressed to the nines, right? Uh, we think she was on the way to uh, an eight, meet an and greet for her tequila, yeah. but she was not driving the car. She was being driven by someone else, and yet when they got there, she chose to pump. She gas. decides she's going to pump the gas, which is why she, I, we know why she did that, right? Because guess who was there? The, the paparazzi. paparazzi. No, but Kendall's not though. She's not going to pump gas just to look good for the Come on. I think you guys are reading a lot into this picture. I think it's just a girl who's an independent woman who's <laughs> pumping her own gas. And my husband sometimes drives and I'll hop out and like pump the gas because he just drove from wherever we were coming from. So maybe she wanted to pay. Well, no, I agree with you, I hear what you're Nikki, saying. But I hear what you're saying. That's when it's your not husband her husband or wife. Right. Yeah. This is an employee or someone. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, man? It's your boy, Saint. I'm out here in Atlanta, and I think that given the fact of who the Kardashians is, she could have, uh, you know, much well stayed in the vehicle, but she chose to get out, get a little drink, and attend to pump gas. So I think she did it for a little bit of shot, you know, a little bit of glam. She looks gorgeous, but we know what you did for her, Kendall. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, it is that time of the week. Yes, your favorite time of the week. Tim is here with his rejects. What's going on? What's up, Tim? All right, so if you guys want to play soccer, but you don't feel like running up and down the large field, <laughs> here's a little game I think you two would like playing. So it's uh, oh a little God. indoor soccer Actually, type. You don't have to run. You can just use your legs, kick the ball, try to defend. How is that soccer? So, yeah. Well, I, I mean, what, what, would it, what else would you where call is it? The, I mean, there's not that much strategy. Tim, Tim I, it's footsie. <laughs> it's footsie. It's not soccer. I mean, I guess so. But Okay, you better I mean, do better on number Wow. Two. All right, so when you guys go for a walk or you go for a hike, sometimes you just want to stop and rest. You know, strolls on the beach, Harf. Well, right, you want to stop and rest and, and, you know, maybe sit down. Well, you can't really do that because you have to lug a chair or lounge, right? 
Well, now, oh, boy. so this backpack, it looks like a regular backpack. You, you got just, a whole living room well, in your backpack. <laughs> so what, what it is, is uh, you, you have it on this your back and then good. you pump up the lounge from the backpack and then you can stop and relax and have fun <laughs> and kind of just uh, hang out. If and I were walking, uh, hiking on a trail and I saw someone <laughs> laying on one of those, I would hey, laugh. You get tired sometimes, oh, you know? I, I, I'm sorry, Tim, you've had six days to find good stuff. Listen, I'm trying to help you out if you get boy, tired on a walk. Boy, this, I mean, I think that's a good idea. This third one better be, it better like, be really one of your good. best okay, ever. Th this is actually very impressive. So how would you guys rate your gymnastic skills? You know what our gymnastic <laughs> yeah, skills are. Right, so Zero. I, I'm guessing you can't do this, but this is very impressive. Check out this guy. He's a gymnast, of course. So he starts on the mat, jumps up, does a bunch of flips, okay, that, and uh, keeps going and going, and then eventually... And those are normal. Any, any gymnast can do that. But wait, he was doing yeah, flips from a seated from position. From the seated yeah, position is the skill that part. Is, no, yeah. that's, what in right. the, the strength that goes? Oh, right, core strength. And right, now, he's, now it's just momentum swing. Right. But that still, is, he's, yeah. uh, okay, yeah. I could do that. Well, Tim, um, <laughs> I don't know. Does one for three get you in the Hall of Fame? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it does. 333, 33%. <laughs> so I'll take uh, it. Okay, Tim, thank right, you. Tim. Yeah, the room doesn't think so. Yeah. The room's like, boy. And they normally clap for anything. It was about a month ago, I think, when we got Cheryl Hines At out. the airport. Right, and she was talking about concerns, her husband, RFK Jr.'s safety, as he's campaigning for president. Those fears were very, very, they were right to be concerned because something happened at their home here in LA that is really troubling because someone tried to break into the home and Cheryl was there. Unclear, and apparently not the first time. Right, uh, broke into, was attempting to get into the home. Now, she had told us that they did have their own security. They were trying to get Secret Service. Um, they'd been denied that, right. um, but their security reacted and stopped this guy from getting into the house. I guess what happened is Cheryl saw him on the property, this guy on the property, uh, just before or as he was trying to break in. She alerted security. Security was able to subdue him. It's unclear if RFK was there or not, but nevertheless, obviously terrifying situation. So the man was placed under arrest. A restraining order was issued for him, and then he came back again. Yeah, that's uh, and, what's weird. So that was yeah. Wednesday morning when he attempted to get, get into the house. They arrest him. And then <laughs> the guy comes back. He comes what? back. Uh, less what than a day later. It's what happens with a lot of these obsessed people where they, don't, they can't take no for an answer, even when they're told that you're breaking the law. Kyle David here. Thanks for having me on, guys, uh, from New Brunswick, Canada. What a terrible thing to happen, you know, to anybody. It's, it's, it's terrifying. But the question that comes to my mind, and you can't help but think it, is this some sort of Lee Harvey Oswald, Sirhan Sirhan wannabe, you know, following in the footsteps of bad men from the past? Yeah, well, look, that, that was Cheryl's concern. And that's that, why they went in Secret Service protection. And they were denied, yeah. so. Uh, By the way, he is polling. Do you know what his polling is right now? No. As an independent, yeah. I saw 19%. I know, wow. I was really surprised. Uh, what else you guys want to talk about? This is Parti live and direct from Planet Earth. This Jonathan Major situation and his girlfriend, it just gets more and more confusing by the day. Are the police and the DA going to get on the same page? And at the end of the day, is Megan Good the new stimulus package? Did Megan Good sprinkle a little black girl magic on this situation? These are the important questions, and these are the things you want to know. Hey, fellas! Wow, this is a very serious case, but your Megan Good comment. I was, was going to jump in on that other thing, but 
I'm not going to do it now. Screw the legal stuff. Uh, what? <laughs> the Megan One Good part. Hi, my name is Morgan. I'm from Maryland. I'm extremely happy to see Brittany finally get the flowers she deserves. She's gone through a lifetime of abuse and exploitation and being used by people. And some people should learn what goes around comes around. If they don't like it, cry themselves a river. See what you did there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agree to disagree. The phrase is, you cannot rest on your laurels. That is the phrase. And you two performing at the Sphere in Las Vegas is, uh, like I said, you have to see it. It he is went. amazing. I went the second night. Uh, and that would be good enough, should be a good enough draw. Not for you two. They've decided, you know what, we're going to bring in some special guests. Last night, Lady Gaga joined them on stage for a couple of songs. They did one of you two songs. All I Want Is You. Yeah, and then they did Shallow. And they did Shallow. really want to go to the spirit. That looks just it awesome. It is phenomenal. I got to get out more. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow.